How many of y'all gave in that Pentecost offering last Sunday? I just want to give a quick little testimony. I'm going to tell you the whole thing, I think, pretty soon. But God's already moved and, uh, in, in my life and um, waiting on it all to be finalized. But I'm excited. I know it works. We can we honor God's time. Amen. Not just His Word, but it's His time, too. So we're learning about the Holy Spirit and who He is. And in prayer, we've been dealing with... Um, what God showed me is really the opposite of Holy Spirit, and that's a superior spirit. And so when I was in prayer, I saw, okay, these two teachings go together really, really well. Um, Holy Spirit is the only one, really, who is God, is the only one who is worthy to be superior. But he's the opposite because he is the essence of humility. And so we take on, and we're going to dig into this in just a little bit. We take on what we've been calling a superior spirit, and we act the opposite of the Holy Spirit. But a lot of times we think, we tell ourselves, and the, or the Spirit tells us that we're really acting in the best interest of God. And so it's, it's really a difficult, we have to have a revelation of what we're dealing with. But I did see the good news is that the Holy Spirit is so holy and he's so opposite that if we just can 100% totally submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, then superior gets broken out of us through the act of submission to the Holy Ghost. He's the only thing greater than a superior spirit. And the only way to be broke is when we break ourselves. We break ourselves before God. Total humble submission. When the Holy Spirit says something, we do it. We don't figure. We don't reason. We don't pass through a filter. We just allow ourselves to be exposed and transparent for God to use. For us to really understand how to operate in that kind of submission to the Holy Spirit, we have to really understand our place in the grand scheme of things. And it's something that if we are feel a little superior, we don't like to hear sometimes. Because my place is very, very low. Because, I think I said it last week, but, it, but it's, a, it's a revelation. I think we have to understand. Do you know that I can't even think on my own that I want to seek God. Because my natural mind does not think those kinds of thoughts. Unless the Holy Spirit puts in me that I want to live a life after God, I can't even think. I need to get my life right. I am that low in this equation that I have to have help to think that I may need to be saved and that I may need to repent and that I may need God. And so if I think that, it's not me thinking it. It's, and so that's the reason we can't rely on, and where there's a lot of, you know, there's, you can go a lot of places and find religion where we have rules and we try to make up our own way to submit to the Holy Spirit. But I'm so low in this equation that I can't do that. We can't. We can't come up with rules and things that we can do in order to attain righteousness. The only way to attain righteousness is for me to recognize that I can't do anything without the help 
of the anything good. I can do a lot of things. I can't do anything good with any lasting value or significance unless the Holy Spirit helps me to do it and guides me to do it. He's holy. That's why he's Holy Spirit. It's in his name. Holy. He's so holy that flesh can't touch what he does. And that's where we get into trouble. Because his name is holy. And the only reason we don't die when he comes upon us is because Jesus made a way for us to obtain grace and mercy so that we can be connected with God. But the moment when Holy Spirit tells us to do something, the moment we decide, I'm going to do something a little bit different, we touch our flesh to it, and it doesn't, it's not 99% holy at that time. It is 100% corrupt. 100%. It's a little bit. If I do it a little bit off, 100% corrupt. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 3. I'll give you all a second to get it up there. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be subject to the law of God. We can't, we can't, cannot. So then, if we're of the flesh, we cannot please God. So let's look at, Jesus condemned sin in the flesh so that we could be connected to the Holy Spirit, and he destroyed the work of the flesh. And here's what he's saying. You're either in the flesh or you're in the spirit. If you're a little bit in the flesh, you're all in the flesh. Unfortunately, if you're a little bit in the spirit, you're not all in the spirit. It doesn't work that way. You're either all in the spirit or you're all in the flesh. We are. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's what the Bible says. When you, if y'all ever baked something, you throw a little bit of yeast in there, it just takes a tiny little pinch. Just a pinch, a little bit, and the whole thing. I don't know how it disperses through. I don't understand these things, how a tiny little pinch can get through my whole loaf, but it does. The whole thing gets leavened with just a little bit, and it's the same way when we... Now, let's be clear. I'm not talking about sin necessarily, although that is the work of the flesh, and it will corrupt the work of God. I'm talking about when we hear God and we decide that maybe I'm going to do something a little bit different than what he said. When we touch flesh to what is holy, it's corrupted. It's no longer the Holy Spirit. So we're doing, we're trying to do 99% of the Holy Ghost, but we're really doing 0% Holy Spirit. 0%. And so we're doing something for nothing. I don't like to do something for nothing, y'all. When I do something, I want to get something out of it. Or I want to sit on the couch. It would be one of the two things. We can't please God because we cannot, we won't please God because we cannot please God. And this is really the great danger of 
of the superior spirit. It's because we think that I can do something a little bit better. I think I can do something a little bit different. I can reason in my head and say, okay, Holy Spirit told me to pray this prayer. Holy Spirit told me to stand up and do this. Holy Spirit told me to raise my hands and dance around the front, whatever. Holy Spirit told me to go take this person to play the cookies. And I think, okay, well, I'm busy today, so I'm going to do it tomorrow. You know what? That person, I know they've been on a diet, so they probably wouldn't like cookies. They'd probably like this instead. But what did the Holy Spirit say to do? What was the thought that popped into your head that God placed in there originally before we started reasoning and rationalizing? So then it didn't work for us. How many promises of God have we missed out on? And we want to blame God, don't we, when our promises don't come to pass. We want to say God didn't come through for me. But, you know, and I've told the story a few times, but I but it's really where I got the revelation that it's those tiny little things. When I lost my job last, last fall, scary time, obviously, I, I knew that every little thing mattered. If I hadn't stopped and prayed at the moment, I heard God to stop and pray. If I hadn't said to the people what the Holy Spirit said to say to the people, if I hadn't if I had have said, well, you know, I know I'm trusting God, but I'm also going to go start applying for all these other jobs. Do y'all know that I would probably be standing before you broke and jobless today? But I'm neither broke nor jobless <laughs> today. Um, but it didn't want anything to do with me. I didn't do anything in that situation. I listened to the Holy Spirit and... In the times where I thought, that doesn't make any sense. I can't say that to that person. But it would be better if I did it this way, because those thoughts come. I said, oh, no, I'm too afraid. I'm too afraid when I don't have a way in front of me to provide for my family. I'm too afraid to mix this, to mix this one. <laughs> too afraid. So I'm only going to do what God said, and if it messes up, then that's not on me, it's on God. But, it, but God came through in amazing ways. What I, what I saw, too, just in myself is um, I've always said I'm forgetful. You know, I'm, I'm busy. I'm, I'm busy all the time. I'm doing something all the time busy. And, um, and so I say I'm going to do that, and then I don't do it. Um, I say I'm going to do that, or I and then I remember at the last minute, I rush at the end, and I do it poorly. And so what I saw is, in my mind, I'm saying, well, I'm busy. Don't you understand? Don't you understand I'm doing everything I know how to do? Don't you understand I'm trying my hardest? Don't you understand I'm doing? God, help me. Do you know, where, can I, where can I fix something, God? I'm trying. But when we can allow the Holy Spirit to show us ourselves. And those times when we say, whatever we're going through, I'm, God, you know I'm trying. God, what more could I do? You know there's probably a spirit operating in there. Um, because there's a reason why we do the things we do. What I had to recognize is that I didn't remember to do something I told you I was going to do because, it, because you know what? I was, whatever else I decided to do was just more important. 
And I didn't want to be that, sound that arrogant and that prideful to even admit it to myself. But that was the truth. The truth was, if what I told you, the words coming out of my mouth were even important enough to remember, then I would have remembered. If what you, if what you had going on was important, I would, to me, not that it wasn't important, but if I had esteemed it as being important and recognized the value of what you were doing and asking me to help with or whatever, whatever the situation was, I would have remembered it because it's not like I forget every single thing. I remember the things that I've esteemed to be important in my own mind, whatever I had going on, because superior is not all about you. It's all about me. So when we're in those places where we're saying, don't, you, don't under, you don't understand, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying my best. Don't you get I'm trying my hardest. I don't know what else to do. I really didn't mean to do that to you. I didn't mean to, to I, whatever. It's a spirit. It's not, it's not an excuse. There is no excuse. There is no excuse. If I was legitimately too busy to do something I said I was going to do, I should have thought highly enough of the other person to say, you know what, I'm, I have these other things going on, and I don't know if I can get that done for you in the time that you need it done, so let's look and try to figure out what, how I can help in this situation. Because then I'm transparent and I'm exposed. And that's the one thing that the superior spirit does not want to be. It wants to look like we have, we're all in control of everything. Got everything put together because I'm that good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Thank you, Jesus. See, but you see how it works, though. We write it off as holy and spiritual because I'm just that good. And you know what else I saw, too, is um, a lot of times we, we operate in it expecting that God is going to back us up with whatever assumption it is that we make. If I, just, if I say, yes, I'm, yes, I'm going to do that, and knowing I ain't got time to do that, knowing I don't want to do it to begin with, and I'm just not being honest because I want to look nice like I care about you. I do care about y'all. Um, but wanting to look a certain way. And then just saying, well, you know, God's just going to have to handle this. God, God didn't have because God didn't tell me to do it. If, God, if I had sought God and he said to do it, then I would be different. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death, if by any means, by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Our righteousness doesn't come from our own will. It doesn't come from my will to live righteous and wanting to be. That's why it doesn't matter if we say, I'm trying my hardest. Don't you see I'm trying my hardest? Because trying my hardest does not produce righteousness. Recognizing that I can't produce righteousness and that I need help from the Holy Spirit produces righteousness. 
trying my hardest doesn't make me better. It just makes me self-righteous. And, says, and the, Paul says here that my righteousness is just of the law. So when we try to do it of our own self, then we're making rules and we're making law and we're making the things that, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to make things in a way that we can work them and control them and make sure that I'm righteous. But what does the law produce? Death. It does not produce life. Holy Spirit produces life. Law produces death. If God didn't even put in me the desire and ability to be righteous through the Holy Ghost, I can't do it. And I love the revelation that Paul has here of who Holy Spirit is. Because if anyone could take credit for being righteous and be assured of his own one-way ticket to heaven, it was the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But he said he really he realized he couldn't even take credit for his own work for God. He was simply striving to put his flesh to death every day by submitting himself to the Holy Spirit. His focus was on knowing him and dying to the flesh and then simply striving to be qualified to maybe attain going to heaven. Now, y'all, I know we don't like to hear sermons about how low we are. But that's where we're at. What greater example do I have of a man who had lived a life totally submitted to God than Paul? And I can walk around like I'm the most righteous person in the world. And Paul said, you know, I have to put my flesh to death every single day because if I don't, I produce wickedness and corruption. And I'm trying, I'm striving just to allow the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to do right by you. I'm not trying to have a ministry. I'm not trying to work miracles. I'm not trying to be high, mighty, or holy, or spiritual. I'm not trying to be an apostle even. What am I trying to do? I'm trying... I'm just trying to be qualified by Jesus that one day I might be able to attain, to be able to attain for him to just accept me in and say, you did good. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. One day. That being said, I am a blessed child of God. And God's called us royalty, but we can't take hold of that promise until we realize how desperately unworthy we are of that promise. How quickly we become unqualified. Paul said, I have to do it every day. That's the reason there's no condemnation with whatever you struggle with. Drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, sexual sin. There's no condemnation in that because Paul, if Paul had to get up every single day and crucify his flesh or he would work corruption and wickedness, How is that different than you? How is that different than me? There's no magic pill where all of a sudden my desires for sin is taken away. It didn't work for him. Jesus was born without sin, but the rest of us are low in this equation. We we got to have help. I have to have help. We need help. Oh, God. I have to have help. And so it's no different if, if you need help to, to not be prideful and arrogant than it is if you need help to not do drugs today. Because if I don't get up today and crucify my flesh and say, today, flesh, you're not getting what you're craving. You're not getting what you're desiring. You're not getting what you're wanting. 
there's no person so holy up here that their flesh does not crave sin. Because that's what flesh does. The only reason we don't give in to it is because we wake up in the morning and we say, dead today. Dead today. Tomorrow, sufficient unto tomorrow is the evil thereof, but today you're dead. Dead today. Hallelujah. My God. That's why there can be no condemnation in Jesus. There's condemnation in the law because we think we can figure it out ourselves. But there's no condemnation in Jesus because we're all in the same boat. Dead today. Okay. Oh, Jesus. Um, I want to say one thing. If you've been seeking baptism of the Holy Spirit and you haven't been able to get it, you've never been able to receive a prayer language, um, this can be one of the reasons. Because when Holy Spirit moves on us and begins to give us the things to say, we want God to come on us in the way that we want Him to come on us because that's a superior spirit. I want God to operate the way I want Him to operate. Maybe I want Holy Spirit, I just expect... If God's going to fill me with the Holy Ghost, that he's going to take over my tongue. So I know it's God. I'm, I'm gonna, this is the way it's got to be. I'm going to be standing here. I'm not going to say a word. And all of a sudden, thank you, Jesus. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. So when we touch the Holy Spirit, we pervert what he's doing. And so I can't receive from the Holy Spirit when I say, Holy Spirit, you got to do it this way. If I'm going to, ha- if you're going to do it, you got to do it this way. Let's look at a good example of this. I know we're kind of talking in abstract, but I think this is going to make it plain. First Samuel chapter 15, we're going to read quite a bit. So let's get ready. Um, first Samuel 15, starting with verse three. Samuel, the prophet, went to King Saul, and he had instructions from God. Now, in the Old Testament, having a word from the prophet was just like receiving, well, today too. Um, But that was all they had back then. That was all they had back then. They didn't have Holy Spirit talking to them directly. Holy Spirit spoke to a prophet, and a prophet had to come tell them. So this was the word of God. Samuel said, now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Kill them all. Everything lay waste. And let's skip down to verse 7. Let's see what Saul did. Saul heard the word of the Lord. And then, verse 7, and Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt, and he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. And, but he utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and of the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse, if it was trash, they destroyed it utterly. But if it was worth something, they decided to keep it. Now, Saul sort of did what God told him to do. He went and destroyed everything, but he saw some, there was some good stuff there too. Hey, God, you, you didn't tell me there was so many good things here. Well, it just makes sense. This is the blessing of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody get this good stuff. Get the good stuff. Take it on home. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost on it. 
And Samuel, and Samuel arrives in verse 13, and Samuel said to Saul, and, and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. This is what Saul said. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. So Saul was deceived. Willfully, but he was deceived. Because God said do this this way. And Samuel did this in a slightly different way. And he justified in himself that it was probably God. Now here's, here's how this spirit operates though. It's because it's so tricky that if we allow those thoughts to sit in our head for very long where we hear from God and we say, well, oh, you know, it's probably a good idea to do this. Probably a good idea. That's right. That does sound really good. You know, somebody comes along. Well, you know, there's, there's sheep everywhere. Good sheep. We could take those sheep and we could sacrifice them to God. God would love it. But, and, he, and he says, oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. Yes. And so, and so we're tricked into this spirit. That's the reason that a lot of times it's very hard for us to see in ourselves. is because Saul believed he, when Samuel showed up, he said, I've done the commandment of the Lord. Saul believed in his mind that he had done the commandment of the Lord because he had allowed other counsel and other thoughts to come in and trick him. And Samuel said, well, what does it mean then that I hear bleeding of the sheep in my ears and lowing of the oxen? And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people. Hey, it wasn't my idea, God. The people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. We were doing it for God. That's why we were doing it. Saul, don't you understand? I was doing this for God. And then the rest we utterly destroyed. And verse 17, skip down a couple. And Samuel said, when you were little in your own sight, you were nothing. You recognized you needed help. He said, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a journey now. And he said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon spoil and did evil in the sight of the Lord? Now, I can just imagine Saul being just a gut punch at this point because he's walked up to Samuel, self-righteous. Do you not see? I didn't only do what God told me to do, Samuel. I did one better. I did one better. I also brought him things to sacrifice. Look at what I have done. He didn't recognize he needed help anymore to even to know how to serve God. And he says, yes, I did obey the voice of the Lord. I have and have gone the way which the Lord sent me. I've brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and then I've utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil. It was their idea. They did it. The sheep and the oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. So then he recognizes, he did know, because he says, it was those things that should have been destroyed, but I thought I'm going to do this for God and I'm going to get better, I'm going to get greater glory out of it. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken Listen, then the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So witchcraft is, is a really charged word that's in there. What is witchcraft? Here's my definition. 
Witchcraft is man's attempt to manipulate spiritual blessings from the spirit world without submission to the true God. So it doesn't matter if we're casting spells or if I hear the way God says I I can obey him and I do something else instead to manipulate something better out of God. It's the same spirit of witchcraft. When I try to manipulate something better out of God, something easier out of God, witchcraft. This is why Saul said, I did what the Lord said, and yes, I see what you mean about those sheep. I do see that. But, look, I brought you sheep. I brought you this king. I did something better so that I look better out of it. Got something out of it. If we're a worship leader, we say, I did play that song Pastor said, but then I remembered that she has said once she didn't like that version before, so I did something else instead. Because of, because of you, Pastor. Because of you. And because I know that you like this. It's like in, that, in the parable, I knew you were a hard taskmaster, and so I did something else instead of what you said to do. Pastor is not a hard taskmaster. It's the spirit. We hear that spirit. It says, oh, well, you know what? That's what you're supposed to do, but you remember this that other time, and so you should probably do this instead. Superior, because I'm rationalizing it in my head. We see in that now? If I'm leaving worship and, I, and we say, I did press into the Holy Spirit, but then I knew the last time I stepped out in that song, I was in the flesh and I was really pushing it and I wasn't pushing it myself. So I can't, I knew I couldn't do that this time, so I stayed on this other song instead of really listening to the Holy Ghost. We have all those excuses. If we start off with, but I did X, probably not. If we're a church leader, a teacher, or someone helping, and I, and I said I'd do something, but I didn't. Or I did do what I was asked, but I didn't really want to bother pastor, and so I'm just going to wait until she asked me about it before I let her know it was done. Or I say, I know I can take care of this. I know I can pray here and help, but I don't want to be out of order. So I'm just going to wait on somebody to ask me. If we sit around and wait on somebody to ask us to come and check in with us, that's making them serve me. It's superior. It's making pastor come back around and, and serve us. Superior spirit is inconsiderate. Um, and it will make you unprepared when you, have some, when you need to be somewhere and have something to give to the body because you expect somebody else to do it for you. You'd have a breakthrough for you if you're doing something, even if you're preparing food in the back. And you're not even over the food, but you're helping prepare the food in the back. You're responsible for having a breakthrough over your part of that whole thing. I need to be prayed up and have a breakthrough over the desserts that I'm sitting out on this end of the table. Now, that may sound silly. I should just be able to set desserts out. But I can't produce anything good. And if I don't have a breakthrough, then the devil's going to get in the middle of the dessert tray. He's going to find a way to get into the middle of it. If I don't have a breakthrough, <laughs> if you're not over it, you're responsible for a part of it. It's our responsibility. Whose responsibility is it? I come on Wednesday night. I'm not singling anybody out. I don't know what happens on Wednesday night here. But I know um, Sister Julie has been at prayer all week long, has a breakthrough. So I can just come up underneath that breakthrough. That does not work that way. Sister Julie's not doing your job. You have a job. You have a breakthrough over your job. Thank you, Jesus. So I have a little test. How often do you say things like, I didn't mean to? Well, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't mean to be respectful. I didn't mean to waste your time while you were waiting on an answer. 
You know, sometimes that's true when we're dealing with somebody who uh, maybe they operate in, uh, have a, a judgment about offense. And so they see everything that you do as being offensive. But nine times out of ten, we do and we say exactly what we mean to do and say. So let's just let that sink in. Because that makes us ugly, ugly people. That is why we got altars. Jesus. Jesus. We do what we want to do. We say what we mean to say. We say what's in us. The Bible says that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so what comes out of me, it was what I meant to say. And when I can, and it's superior for me to think I can come back around and say, well, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to do this. I didn't mean it to be that way. But I, I, I tried to do this and it turned out this way. I'm, I'm so sorry. It's a lie. It's, a, it's the spirit. It's a superior spirit. It's a superior spirit where we think we can just do what we want to do. Say what we want to say. Pay attention to myself and the things that matter to me. And when it doesn't work out, when, I, when there's something to do with you, I can just say, well, I didn't mean. I didn't mean. I'm not being condemning because I've done it myself. In Leviticus chapter 10, I want to quickly read this. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, um, this is from the Amplified Version. Um, each took a censer and they put fire in it and they put incense on it and they offered strange and unholy fire before the Lord as he had not commanded them. And then fire came forth from the Lord and killed them, and they died there. And then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I and my will, not their own, will be acknowledged as holy, as hallowed by those who come near me. So what was their sin? Exactly. They did. In my mind, I've always thought strange fire sounds like they went in there and did some witchcraft or something, but that's not what they did. They just did it when God didn't say to do it. They said, hey, this is really cool. I want to go into the presence of God again. I'm going to do it when he didn't say do it. And God said, this is why he said, I and it's my will, not their own that's acknowledged as holy. If I try to put my own will in it, it's not acknowledged as holy. Their sin was that they did the work of God, but they didn't do it at His command. Jesus. The Spirit, is, it says, but I am submitted. I, I did this instead because of this reason, because you said, and so I really am submitted. It's not submitted. I really do love you, but I do this instead. doesn't love A superior spirit loves itself. It serves itself. We can't be mad at God when the Holy Spirit, when God doesn't give us the promises that we're believing God after when we try to work it in ourself. How many times has God said, I'm going to save your children? And instead of heeding the word and praying it, we decide, I'm going to go, okay, my kids are going to be saved. I'm going to go to my kids, and I'm going to make sure they know it's time to be saved. I'm going to put the flesh to it. We controlled and we corrupted it, and we made it worse. We may miss 
God's plan for us when we just decide not to obey. Maybe we're supposed to be somewhere. And his answer was coming. We just have to recognize that to be submitted to Holy Spirit, we're either 100% submitted to Holy Spirit or we are corrupt. We are not. We are in the flesh and we are serving a superior spirit. I can 99% do it and 1% try to say, well, God, I need to make sure it happens like this. It's done. 